0: Hagavato Adahato Sama Sambutasa Namo Tasa Pagavato Adahato Sama Namo Tasa Pagavato Adahato
1: Sama
0: <clears throat> so I wanted to speak a little bit tonight about the four Brahmaviharas, or the four boundless qualities: uh, metta, loving kindness, or friendliness, or benevolence. Karuna, compassion, which I'll elaborate on a little bit. Uh, mudita, um, appreciative joy or empathic joy. And upeka, equanimity or equipoise. So these four qualities are mentioned Again and again and again in the Buddha's teachings, when you look through the suttas, you come across this, these four again and again and again. And uh, metta, of, out of all of the four, metta is mentioned most frequently. So you find metta uh, also um, kind of elaborated on or brought out. Uh, more than the other four, although karuna compassion also is spoken about a lot, and uh, and these qualities are qualities of the heart. They are uh, energy fields. <clears throat> they are um, you know we can speak about them and have phrases that help us remind ourselves of these qualities but they're qualities that are, that are developed here in the heart mind in the chitta, and they as we cultivate them they transform our hearts they transform our experience of ourself <coughs> they, explore, they kind of transform who we are what we are and uh, how we experience our yeah, our interactions and how we in, and how we inf- and they influence how
1: we show up in the world so we might think oh well i'm this kind of person or that kind of person you know
0: we are all conditioned you know through our family through our culture, through our um, education, you know, there's there's many ways that we're conditioned, and we can easily take those conditionings as who and what we are. Um, but the the practice is transforming those conditions. It's kind of reconditioning, but it's reconditioning in a way that leads us to the ending of conditioning. And it's a, a practice and a journey. So when I first started meditating, uh, the, the instruction was to pay attention to the in-breath and the out-breath. And in doing that, what I actually experienced was my heart and mind. Very little ability to be with the breath but a lot of recognition of the the state of this heart and mind <coughs> at that time which was pretty troubled and uh, yeah, um it's quite uh, quite uh, like a lot of a lot of judgment a lot of self-judgment a lot of ju- judgment of others it was kind of cluttered in here. And I hadn't really recognised that because I was too busy filling the space with, you know, with uh, distraction or music or people or um, ways of avoiding being present. And so I wasn't really, I couldn't really see how cluttered it was in here. And then when I stopped to meditate, started learning to meditate, stopped all of the doing and started to investigate what was going on in here, it wasn't a very pleasant place to be. It was like being in a a cluttered um, house that hadn't been cleaned in a long time. And so there was a strong motivation to start sorting that out. And... uh, it was clear to me that uh, the practice of metta was an essential practice. Because the, the, the criticism and the judgment and the expectations were so harsh and so unreasonable, but also very deeply ingrained, that I recognized I need to, need to really work hard to transform that. So, uh, so metta practice was in a way my first really strong and continuous practice. And uh, even though the, the ideal is to practice metta for the, for the benefit of all beings, in fact, to practice all of our practice, ideally is for is this transformation of this being for our own freedom and uh, freedom from the obscurations and the contractions of, of the heart and mind. Uh, so, for our own freedom, but also for the freedom of, or for the benefit of all beings. So, even though that was the ideal, for a long time that wasn't really accessible for me. I needed to just work on this one. And uh, after about a year of pretty much continuous daily practice of Metta. Uh, for healing, really, this heart. Then I began to feel like, oh, now it's, there's enough, maybe it's, now there's enough wellness, enough well-being that I can start to share it out for others. And uh, so I recognize how sometimes we can expect our heart to, um, you know, to start pumping out matter, to start being compassionate for all beings and and then and then we can't quite do it because the heart isn't ready. You know, it's like the the head is still in control, saying, Come on, you're supposed to be you supposed to be able to do this for the benefit of all beings. Come not radiate it out as far as possible. <laughs> Come on, what's wrong? And then we're not actually paying attention to what's going on here. No, the, the heart's beaten up and fra- frightened or, or or armored or it's full of rocks you know and so so we need to take care of this first and uh yeah and sometimes it is like that sometimes it you know when i when i've looked in here sometimes it seems like it's just full of rocks in there and so um you know it can feel like mm, how am i ever going to get past this But then i would reflect on water because i think of the these qualities of, of particularly karuna, actually, particularly compassion, is like water. And water has these amazing qualities. So um, where I come from, it's very wet, rains a lot. And you can go down to the beach. There's a lot of, lot of beaches, little beaches, and they'll be... You know, there'll be a big rock face and then there'll be water coming out of the rock. It's like, how does the water do that? You know, it's just like solid rock and then it finds a tiny little crevice and it makes its way through and it comes out and it starts to produce life. It's like something starts to grow there in the water that's coming from the rock. And over time, that water breaks the rock up. And you can see here in the U.S. there are these amazing canyons that have been created through water, running over you know, steadily over many, 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 over many, many um, centuries. So water has this power to break up even, even rocks, even great granite, is worn away and crumbles with the persistent flow of water. So I'd bring that to mind, of like, okay, rocks in the heart, but the the water, if I bring the water of compassion to these rocks and just keep on um, sweeping it through the heart, keep on bathing the heart with compassion then gradually over time those rocks start to break up and they start to get smaller and then they start to you know be washed away so the um, what felt very very solid and real and permanent starts to get broken up and uh, transformed by these qualities
1: of the brahma viharas And of course, ideally, we're living from them all the time.
0: (laughs) And really, you know, we have to work at it. And they come and they go. And there are people that are more challenging than others. There are people who open our heart easily and we, we just feel happy and open and loving in their presence. And there are people who are challenging to us. And maybe to someone else, they are the person who opens the heart, and to us, they're the one who challenges us. So, um, you know, it's it's easy to think of, um, like, to blame others for our limitations. Um, so we might think, like, if only that person wasn't, didn't do that, or wasn't like that, then I could have. Kindness for all beings <laughs> but they just keep doing it and it's, it just makes my heart close. it's their fault you know? It's a very believable thought, but but really, it's like, okay, how can we you know, then we can't change them, but we can change this, and that was a really important lesson for me actually that. We can't change other people. So I remember, I remember Ajahn Sumedho when I lived with him years ago, saying that on one of the retreats. You know, he was saying, "We can't make someone else enlightened." And I had somebody particular in mind. You know, someone who was <laughs> had a big influence on my life. You know, um, and it's like he's you can't make someone else enlightened you can't make somebody else um i forget what the middle one was actually but the the last one was you can't even make someone else a little bit less selfish and it's like oh but you can make yourself more enlightened and you can make yourself a little bit less selfish. So you can do the work here, but you can't do the work for somebody else. And so it's, uh, and it's, it's kind of obvious. It's like I know everybody in the room knows that, and yet we don't know it, because we keep doing it again and again. <laughs> we keep waiting for the other person to sort out and wanting to try and <laughs> sort them out for, you know, help them to understand what they're doing wrong, that they could, you know... <laughs> And then the, the Buddha is saying, no, you want to look back here. And there's this uh, lovely uh, little trick that somebody taught me when I came to the US. Is you know, When you're pointing the finger at someone else, there are three fingers f- pointing back at you. <laughs> I love that. Like, oh, yeah. So the, the Buddha is really uh, very clearly pointing us back to our own Our own heart and our own potential, and uh, there are there are teachings that seem kind of uh, well, very extremely high bar. You know, it seems like he's asking us to be so so. um, It seems almost almost uh, unreasonable what he's asking. So there's a. One teaching where he's in this this called the simile of the saw, where he's saying, um, you know, if if somebody's speaking to you in ways that are untrue or unkind or um, you know mean and harmful, uh, that you shouldn't have a heart of ill will towards that person. So he goes through all these different kinds of speech that you might experience. Which, and speech is hurtful, let's be honest, you know, when people speak to us in a, hurt, in a harsh, critical, mean way, for me anyway, it hurts. And uh, so he's saying, you know, that's. that should not be a cause for ill will to arise towards that person. And. Uh, and then he goes he suddenly suddenly makes this great leap from speech to even if somebody, this is kind of extreme now, even if somebody is cutting off your arms and legs and you have a thought of ill will towards that person, you are not truly practicing my teaching. (laughs) So this is a very high bar. And I've reflected on this teaching quite a bit because it's like, what is he saying there? And of course, he doesn't mean you know, you should just be passive and lay down and let people do that. It's like if you can't, you, know, you, you do what you can, you still use your wisdom. and you know, If you can't get away, if you can't get away and you're in that situation and you're cultivating hatred towards that person, you're missing the teaching that the Buddha is giving you. He said you can't call yourself a true disciple of the Buddha. If you're if you're hating the person who's doing that so it's like wow that's that's kind of intense but what is he saying he's actually it is actually an empowerment so he's saying what you that you actually have the power we have the power if we cultivate it to to keep to um have a heart of whether it's Kindness, compassion, certainly appreciative joy isn't going to arise in that situation, or equanimity. You know, we have the power to cultivate those qualities as a as a as a refuge here. That's always accessible here in our own hearts and minds. So I'm saying this as as someone who hasn't uh, perfected this, just to be honest. Uh, but I see the potential of that, and it's not, you know, it's not a it's not a crazy teaching that he's giving. It's uh, an empowering teaching. So, and he's saying, don't expect the world to be the way you think it should be. Don't ask that, you know, now that you're a practitioner, everything's going to be people are just going to be nice to you all the time, and always say the right thing, and always be kind it's not going to be like that but make your heart mind a place that is a place of safety in that we're not um, getting lost in hatred ill will fear so it's it's a high bar but it's a it's, it goes in the direction of freedom and there's a, a teaching called the mangala Sutta, where the Buddha lays out um, a way the way to live uh, with ethics and developing good skills and caring for one's for one's family and for one's parents and cultivating the noble truths the teachings the practice and event, you know ultimately realizing full freedom and then the, the sort of teaching goes through this it's really basically through the noble eightfold path and then the, at the very end it says you know for one who cultivates in this way every place for them is safe there is no place of there's no danger because the danger becomes the danger of you know the, the, in, on the, on the on the spiritual path, the danger is the danger of harboring hatred, harboring ill will so the the danger of being overwhelmed with those with with uh, greed or hatred has been um conquered you know we're not it's not it's not going to happen anymore so when one's not living in a place of from a place of fear from a place of wanting from a place of not wanting then wherever we are whatever we're doing becomes a place of safety it might feel rather a long way from where you are at this moment so, but it is a it is a, a a possibility that the Buddha is pointing us to. so how do we get from here to there? You know, we have to start by paying attention to how is the heart so some people you know when you say drop down into the heart, they were like, mm, what do you mean um, you may be up here trying to think about well what is what do they mean about the heart and it's it feels safe it can be if, if for those with a good good brains and sharp minds it can feel very safe to stay up here. you can keep things clear, rational ordered, and down here it all gets kind of messy and complicated and um it can't control it in the same way. So oh, quick, back up to the head, safe place. Um, so the, the practice is really inviting us to come down. You know, just, we can use our intellect and our understanding and discernment, but we, can, we really must, it's essential that we come down into the heart-mind and see what's going on here. And see the the anger and the, the fear and the greed and the restlessness and know know that and know that it's, it's it's here. it's not outside. This is the place that we can transform that. So in the practice of cultivating the brahma viharas or the um, immeasurable, Qualities, the upamādas. We are uh, changing the. I was going to say chemistry, but I I don't really know if that's true. Probably, the chemistry, the the energy field, um, of our heart and mind, or heart mind. And it takes practice and effort. So there are different practices. And I, we can be quite creative also with these practices. So there are practices that the Buddha gave, which uh, we'll chant at the end tonight. And there are practices that have been developed in different countries and, and have been found to be very effective. And then there are, there's your own way. So for me, I, I needed to start with my own way, which was to take in metta. So I didn't feel that I could actually generate anything much from my heart when I first started to practice. It was too closed down. But I felt like, well, there is metta. And I had had an experience, actually, of, of uh, unconditional love, just a brief one, of, of like there is unconditional love uh, before and earlier in my life. So there was this recognition, well, I could take in the unconditional love that's out there, even if I can't feel it that well, just have the sense of taking that in, breathing that in. So I'd be walking down the street, breathing in metta, sitting on the bus, breathing in metta, um, you know. Uh, but it was most accessible at times when I wasn't engaged with others and busy. I could just take that in. And gradually over time there was more space here. And then as, as more space developed, and there was more of ability to to uh, generate that quality in the in the meditation practice. And as I generated that quality, then the heart started to get a little bit more... It, started, it went from being very small and leathery to being a little bit bigger and a little bit softer and a little bit more spacious and gradually um more uh, well and uh, more of a sense of safety and more willing to explore here and then over time you know, as, as that uh, started to heal, I was able to share that metta with others and then pick up some of the trainings. So in the, one of the trainings in the metta, metta practices, is to go through, as I'm sure all of you know, to go through the, the list of people. So this isn't found in the early teachings of the Buddha, actually. He didn't teach in that way, but it is, a, it is like a, a workout for the heart. Go through the people that you love, the people that you uh, who've supported you, the people you don't really know, the people who are difficult, and uh, to that that practice is like a. It's like a, to me, it's, I, I always think of it as like going to the gym. You know, it's like a workout, and picking up that practice was very very beneficial. You know, there were certain people in my life that were difficult people i was their difficult person too probably but for me they were difficult people and then there was an ability to start to transform that relationship and to to allow them in or to allow them to come a bit closer in my in my uh meditation to let them come a little bit closer to my heart and then it'd be like oh no too close stay there and then Take care of the heart to practice, you know, develop the the metta, and then okay, you can come a little bit closer. And then oh no, enough. You know, so there'd be a gradual, um, gradually allowing the or, or um, yeah, allowing the heart to get more strong and more confident and more stable. So that eventually, that those difficult people were able to, you know, the heart was able to just take them right in. But I didn't, you know, I didn't ask my heart to do that immediately, because it's not compassionate. So it's like gradually, gradually, and uh, not that it always happens. It doesn't always transform on the our outer relationships, but it can be. As we transform our inner relationship to others, it transforms the outer relationship. It's like we liberate each other from those stuck, painful relationships. So that can happen. So cultivating metta as a, as a radiant practice is the way that the Buddha teaches and it can be necessary you know, often we need to have something that gets that that uh, light or warmth going so there might be a sometimes just a smile actually is enough just a little smile can be a smile on your lips or a smile in your heart that just starts to open that quality up or it may be someone or some where or something that uh, brings a smile to your heart. And so we get that quality going and sort of ignited. And then through our breath and our intention and attention, we um, strengthen and deepen and grow that quality within our heart-mind. And it has the so the Buddha uses these words boundless, immeasurable uh, about the uh, about these qualities, and you know when when we think of that, it seems like yeah I just gotta send it out as far as possible, and I've done that, you know, I've done that as like okay, I've got to send it out, send it out, and been really exhausted, you know. <laughs> Like it becomes a chore, you know, like oh, I've got to send it out for the benefit of all beings. All those devas are waiting for it and, you know, and you just get exhausted. So it's not meant to be an exhausting practice. It's an energising practice. But it's, it gets exhausting if we're trying to force it. So you want to nurture, encourage. So it's, it's responsive. And sometimes it may be really, really beautiful and bright and radiant and other times rather just like a little glow. It's all good, you just take care of that quality. And karuna, the quality of compassion. So the English word compassion literally means to be with the suffering of others. And the quality of karuna isn't quite bad. So there is um, another word, anukampa, in the suttas, which is also translated as compassion. And that is a, literally means to, to tremble with, anukampa, to tremble with. And that's similar to uh, compassion, to suffer with. And then karuna in the meditative form is pointing more to wishing that this being and all beings be free from harm or, and any intention to harm. So it's kind of going to the root of, of the source of suffering, that we, that we experience harm and that we intend harm, or that others experience harm and intend harm. So it goes right to the root of that, and wishing that all beings, including this one, be free from those, those harmful intentions, from receiving harm or intending harm. I find that very beautiful, it's like recognizing that when, you know, which comes up, you know, when when we feel a sense of harm towards another, that we are harming ourselves. We're we're not really doing justice to our potential. So, uh, karuna is that deep wish. It's it's not. Uh, so for a long time, I practiced karuna in a way that was, it was like the heart was, was out and um, it was sort of vulnerable and and sort of leaning outwards and uh, through the guidance of venerable analia actually practicing with with him bhikkhu analia he was pointing out that that when the heart is out and vulnerable and open like that this isn't a balanced place you know this isn't quite where we need to be and that that uh, holding that intention of Wishing that all beings be free from harm and the intention of to harm, is much more. Um, it's much more centered. It's much more grounded. It's still deeply compassionate, but it's compassionate in a way that we're not. We're not kind of losing ourselves, or we're not tumbling into the suffering of others. We're staying really centered and present and steady. With a deep wish that all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. So this was an important shift for me to go from that, because you know there's so many things to feel compassionate about. You know, there's a lot of suffering in the world, and we can get lost in that, we can fall into it, tumble into it. And then we become part of the suffering. We're suffering with everyone else suffering. And it's not, it's not that place of centeredness. And it's not a, a peaceful, it's not, a, it's not bringing more light into the world. And then uh, mudita is that uh, joyful, appreciative response. That uh, delight in the beauty. I find nature brings up a lot of mudita very naturally. Delight in the beauty. Delight in the in the uniqueness of human beings, uh, living beings. Delight in the, the 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 good qualities of others and and of oneself. Is that uh, delighting and rejoicing? it's a it's a beautiful quality it's, i've have heard that it's the least uh, cultivated actually that people find it the most difficult many people find it the most difficult to access and i was always surprised about that because it seems like it's sort of it's free you know it's like somebody else has a great success and you feel really happy for them you get free joy you know they do all that work to get the, their joy and you just can just have medita you know <laughs> Why don't we just do that all the time? So <laughs> <laughs> we well, yeah, Appreciative joy. And uh, and Upeka. Upeka is, the, it has this rather kind of clunky translation of equanimity. So I don't think I've Ever heard that word used anywhere outside of Buddhist circles? That <laughs> it's uh, used as a translation for Upeka. and one of the other ways of—it's not exactly a translation, or, or, but of, of describing Upeka is having a, a bird's eye view or seeing the big picture. So that's uh, this this recognition that everything that Comes together, everything that has a beginning, goes through a process and falls apart and ends. So that is the nature of things, that is the truth of things. Everything. Um, a glass of water, a cup of water. It's the water's poured in, it becomes a cup of water. I drink the water, it's it's then it's just an empty cup. So it's the cup of water experiences will will end. And then the, the bell was once metal in the ground, deep in the earth that's been mined and and heated and smelted and beaten and shaped and has become a bell. And one day that bell will no longer be belling, it will be something else. It will be metal again, just metal. Or it may be change shape and become something else. So the bell is also has a beginning, a process, a belling process, and an end. And everything is like that. You know, this, this beautiful earth, this beautiful planet earth, had a beginning. It's going through a process challenging process right now and it will have an end and uh, galaxies same all of it so this is the nature of things and upeka understands that it's not asking the world to be different than how it is it's not asking nature to be other than nature It's it's seeing the whole picture. It's not only looking at the nice bit, the bit we want, the lovely bit, the uplift. It's looking at the whole of the picture. The beginning, the middle, the end. And it's not depressing or sad or disappointed. It's just peaceful. It's beautiful, actually. There's a beauty to... Taking in the whole of something rather than just the bit we like. There's a beauty to that, there's a generosity to that,
1: there's a peacefulness to that. So, Upeka
0: is uh, it's a subtle form of love. They're all forms of love, these four. And is the is the most subtle. It's kind of love and wisdom, both together. So these four qualities are ways, you know, they're all to be cultivated in in an intentional way in our practice. And they are ways that we can meet our experience, that we can meet the world. You know, the if we meet the not that we can always do it. I mean, just to be honest, you know, we can't always get there, but it's to be cultivated. You know, but if we meet, if we walk into a room and we have a, a quality of metta, it's going to be at least comfortable, at least peaceful, at least a little joyful, and probably people will feel comfortable around us. And if we enter a room. With fear, contraction, trepidation, or with rage, or you know, whatever, greed, trying to see what we can get out of it, then we're not, you know. The world responds to the, to that. We we, we, we it is a field that we're creating. So. Uh, so these brahmaviharas are a potential. They're a latent potential for us to cultivate. And as we cultivate them, you know, so like when metta is present, fear can't also be present. There's no room, the heart can't be contracted and expanded at the same time. So when there's metta, the fear is. is is sort of dissipated. When there's karuna the rage or the anger is transformed. And when there's mudita, there's no room for greed or judgment. Discernment is no problem. But there's no room for greed or dis- or uh, judgment with mudita. And with Upeka. We're not trying to control things. We're not trying to make things the way we think they should be. We're understanding the nature of things. There's a there's a a, a vastness of view, and in that we're we're letting go of the wanting and not wanting, and the manipulations and the control and the transactions, and we're Mm-hmm. It's
1: like this. So I see these these four qualities as ways of meeting
0: meeting the world. You know, metta loves everything unconditionally. Karuna sees the suffering sees the, the limitation of this realm of these realms and you know, it recognizes that people get caught all all of us until whoever's anyone who's not liberated really gets caught in their, their wanting and not wanting so Karuna is uh, understanding, compassionate for the limitations of the world. Mudita is celebrating the beauty, celebrating the, the, the gorgeousness of impermanence. Impermanence is so beautiful. I mean, this morning, going out and the sun's coming up, the mist and then the warmth touching the earth and the gradual uh, evaporation of the like the melting of the frost and the evaporation of the water is exquisite this is this is impermanence without you know if things were permanent we wouldn't experience that beauty it's the impermanent nature that is that is so so beautiful and real true So Mudita is seeing the same world. So you know Karuna is seeing the world opening to the suffering of the world. If we only have if we only see the suffering, then it, it gets really, really heavy, painful. And Mudita is looking at the same world with appreciation and joy. It's essential. And then Upeka is understanding the whole picture, the arising process and passing away of it all, That at
1: peace with that, It's not asking things to be other than how they are. So as we cultivate these qualities, all four of them,
0: we change our relationship to our daily life, our a relationship to the to the earth, and they also you know so it's it's their relational qualities, and they also as we particularly when we practice the radiant practices. They 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 open up a space within us. They kind of lead to a letting go of the story of me and mine and them and theirs. And should and shouldn't. They, they undo that. So they're like a bridge to their. Well, they're. 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 they're maybe not quite a. they're um, their ways of imbuing awareness. They lead us to a more spacious awareness and upeka particularly leads us to a, a restful state of being
1: being present with and um,
0: it's essential that we do that work here in the heart not just in the head not as a not just a chant not just a line not just a and not only uh, with the, although this is a useful practice, this, the practice of, you know, for oneself and for others, that is a good practice. It's strengthening. But at some point we have to let go of that and and simply have it as a, f- it's develop these qualities as a field. An energy field. So we're not having to have a story of me and you. It's just this Quality of metta that's radiating through every cell of our body and it's radiating outwards completely unconditionally. It's not getting involved in anything, it's not getting involved in liking, not liking, personalities, politics, any of it. It's just radiating. So there's this, you know, it's trusting that that. that uh, that practice does actually transform. It transforms our own body and mind and it trans and it it radiates out into the world. So you may have come across some whether on you know in person or uh, through videos or so on of some great beings, you know, Nhat Hanh, a very beautiful being. Who could radiate, who just, just ordinarily radiated these qualities, just abided in those qualities. And that has a huge influence in the world. His holiest, the Dalai Lama. It's immense that, that, that love, that playfulness, that compassion, that appreciation, that equanimity. It's it's deep. It's not. He doesn't. He's not. Uh, it's just radiating, and it's and it's delicious and attractive and transformative. So these are people who've you know cultivated these qualities highly, and those qualities transform the world, transform the people around them. They attract and transform. So you know we all have to start from where we are. We're not Thich Nhat Hanh, and we're not the Dalai Lama. And we have a heart like this, and it starts from wherever it is, however it is now. And it's, it can be transformed. So I want to offer that tonight. It's the four Brahma Vaharas they are abiding.
1: They are places to dwell. They're beautiful. So we could do the chant together, the suffusion with the divine abidings.
0: And this, this, uh, this chant is pretty much taken from the suttas. So when you when you read through the suttas, you'll find this pretty close to this chant, this um, teaching, that this comes up again and again and again. And it's, um, it's a meditation practice. So when I was teaching the radiant practices, the radiant metta practice yesterday, that comes from this teaching found in the suttas. I'll
1: just give a moment that everyone has the a copy. Now let us make the four boundless
0: qualities shine forth. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth so above and below around and everywhere and to all as to myself I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart imbued with loving kindness and Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with compassion, likewise the second, likewise the third. Likewise, the fourth, so above and below around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world, with a heart imbued with everything. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with gladness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, Likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart imbued with gladness. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with equanimity. Likewise, the second, likewise, the third likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart imbued with equanimity, Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and
1: without ill will. So this life is uh,
0: precious and transient. And this uh, opportunity is is great here at the moment, that these conditions come together at this time for us to practice. So please uh, take good care of your heart. And... Meet you know, whatever you meet here, meet it with presence, curiosity, and a willingness to to explore
1: transformation. So we're going to go to the back of the hall, to the earth or the other part of the hall to the earth
0: shrine and take the water and offer it to the earth. And um, we like to in- include the Sangha, the community, with with the offering of the water. And yesterday was a very special day, evening, and it was wonderful that we could all you know, take our time and and offer, uh, but I think if we do it to such a degree every night, we're not going to get a lot of sleep. So (laughs) So there's a little little bowl inside the bigger bowl, and uh, we can pass that bowl around, but I would say not more than three people per little bowl max, maybe even just one. So just uh, (laughs) offer that, and then... They'll fit it up and then someone else can offer
1: that. Okay. Thank you for
0: listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please
1: visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.